Hello and welcome to The Family Show. I'm your host, Eleanor Rossman, and joining me today and every week, fresh from the beach... <laughs> and, and Randy Lee, welcome back. I feel the, like a piece of seaweed, but okay. <laughs> to the hot place. Yes. Oh, brother. Nice to be here. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about, it's a beautiful feast of the transfiguration. Yes. yes. And you also added another... Transformation, transformation and transfiguration. And yeah. transfiguration. You know, a lot of, I was talking to my daughter about that, and we were, I went to, uh, Michael and I went to Our Lady of Lords on Sunday, and Father Yo gave a beautiful homily describing so much about transfiguration. That you didn't be, even think about before. Just yes. didn't even think about before. It was wonderful. And unfortunately, my daughter went somewhere where there was, the regular priest wasn't there, and she didn't really, I guess they might have had a missionary priest, and uh-huh. she had great difficulty understanding what oh. he was saying. Anyway, um, but there's it's a it's an amazingly beautiful and how it ties into the Old Testament and anyway I'll shut up and let you talk. So Andy. Uh, hopefully I can Randy. take this beautiful feast and and turn it into nothing. But anyway, as you said, last Sunday was the feast of the Transfiguration. Right, Jesus takes Peter, John, and James, John's brother, up the mountain. Elijah and Moses show up. God talks. Jesus glows. All in all, it's a pretty remarkable afternoon. Right. So right. So we were out at St. Matt's. And they also had a visiting priest. It was Father Bob Lawrence, and he gave the homily. And Father Lawrence actually had this really thought-provoking definition of transfiguration, Hmm. right? Um, Father Lawrence said transfiguration occurred when Christ's divinity shone through Christ's humanity. Christ's divinity shone through Christ's humanity. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so the apostles are traveling around with Jesus, right? They're, they're seeing him every day. He's, he's a good-looking guy, but he still looks normal, right? He looks, he looks human, right. right? One day, he takes Peter, John, and James up the mountain, and he allows them to see his divine nature, right? And it blows them away. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is, you know, Mark says Jesus is glistening. He's, he's for lack of a better word, he's glowing, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing human about him, right? In the transfiguration, instead of seeing the human form, the human form becomes like a window. And we peer through that window and we see the divine, Hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Now, I want to distinguish this concept of transfiguration from the concept of transformation, right? They're both important, but they're different. So transfiguration in our lives is when Christ's divinity shines through our humanity, right? Just like on the mountain, Christ's divinity shines, shone through his humanity. Transformation is when our humanity is changed. It's, mm-hmm. it's transformed, right? So now here's the tie-in. The state of our humanity, of our flesh, affects the degree to which we can be transfigured, right? The degree to which others can see Christ through us, mm-hmm. right? Now, this all sounds very theological. It's not. It's, it's very practical, right? Take the apostle Paul. Before he's Paul, when he's Saul, you look at Saul, what do you see? You don't see Christ, yeah. right? You see anger. You see cruelty. You see hatred. You see power. You see indifference, Right? Jesus knocks Saul off his horse on the way to Damascus, and Saul is transformed. Mm -hmm. 
right? He becomes Paul. His humanity changes, and now we look through his transformed being. What do we see? I mean, you read his his epistles, his letters, you see the wisdom of God, Mm -hmm. right? You follow his life, you see the courage, the persistence, the patience of God. As Paul's humanity is transformed, he can be transfigured. He becomes a window into Christ's divinity, right? Wow, so we should all strive to do that. Yeah, I mean, good transfer, we need to aspire for good transformation, right? Good transformation is getting your flesh ready to make good choices. Good transformation is getting your flesh ready to make good choices. Transfiguration is living out those choices when they come up, right? And of course, it can, it can work the other way as well. We were, we were down in Tybee Island, Georgia, as you said, a couple of weeks ago, attending Mass at St. Michael's down there. And Father Brett Brannon observed that suffering always changes, always transforms us, mm. right? Suffering will make us either better or it will make bitter. us bitter. Exactly, yeah. exactly. If it makes us better, then we can be more fully transfigured. But the more bitter we become, the less we can be transfigured at all. The less people will see Christ's divinity through us, right? Well, I guess when you're saying that, you know, and I've experienced, I think, Mm -hmm. very well that side of things, bitter, where we choose not to see God's will in what's happening to us. We only look internally at ourself, our ego. I think that's that's huge, right? It's it's when we start looking inside of ourselves and our focus is on self, mm-hmm. then what happens is the window becomes opaque, mm-hmm. right? And and Father Brannon had this this great story about that dynamic, right? Leonardo da Vinci, he's painting the Last Supper. Now there's some controversy about the story, but but anyway. Everyone agrees Da Vinci was crazy obsessed with his models for the painting of The Last Supper, right? Historians have him taking anywhere from like four to ten years to finish this painting, right? Early on, however, he he definitely found his Jesus right away in a choir loft singing in the choir, Mm. right? Where are you going to find Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Choir loft in the choir, right? Right? Young man, his name is Pietri Bendinelli, right? So he finds Pietri. Right. However, finding a Judas proved problematic, so much so that Judas was what really held up the completion of the painting. I never heard that. Yeah, yeah. Right. In his effort to find his Judas, Da Vinci starts hanging out in Judasian kinds of places. You can imagine <laughs> where you find your Judas, right? Um, ultimately, Leonardo does find Judas, right? Brings him back to the studio to model. And as they're working, the guy starts asking Da Vinci who he's modeling for, mm-hmm. right? Oh, da Vinci, boy. Right? Da Vinci tries to put this guy off, sidestep yeah. the question, because who wants to tell someone, you're the perfect Judas, <laughs> right. right? But the model is so persistent, Da Vinci finally has to tell this guy, just get it over with. And when he does, the guy gets really quiet, right? He goes from, from just, you know, who am I, who am I, to, to just really quiet. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon, Da Vinci notices this tear is streaming down the guy's cheek, and it's messing up Da Vinci's painting process. Mm-hmm. Judas guy crying, right? 
Shortly thereafter, the guy is all out sobbing and weeping, right? Which makes the whole painting process really even harder. So Da Vinci finally is like, why are you doing this? Why are you ruining my painting? And the guy's like, three years ago, I sat in this very seat and posed for Christ. Oh, come on. Right? Three years of choices had transformed the man's humanity, and that transformation had made him a window into Judas rather than a window into Christ. Wow. Right? Window, by the way, is probably not the best choice of words because we are created to be called to be more than windows into Christ's divinity. You think of Mary in the Magnificat, my soul magnifies. Magnifies. Yeah, that's different. Our humanity was not just meant to be a window, Mm -hmm. but a magnifying glass, right? That through the living of our life, people would not just be able to see Christ's divinity, but see it more clearly, Mm -hmm. right? Our humanity, Christ himself tells us our humanity can be a, a bushel, a basket over his light, or it can be a stand that elevates mm-hmm. his life light, or it can be anything in between, mm-hmm. right? But that's how we prepare our humanity, how we allow ourselves to be transformed by him, and then what choices we make that allow us to be, conf- to be transfigured by his light. Yeah. And sometimes, well, I think most of the time it takes uh, a humiliation, maybe a series of them. You talk about Saul not literally knocked off his high horse. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, re- I've been reading a lot about that, that, you know, remember, you know, Jesus talks about how we need to become like little children. Mm-hmm. What is it about little children? They're humble, they're meek, they're mild. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know about you, but it's, as we get into adulthood, sometimes we're the opposite. Right. You know, I'm, I'm such a know-it-all. You know, I mean, I'm, I freely admit something. No, I'll tell you how. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we're not drawn to the humble, the meek. Right. That's how Jesus wants us to be. Right. And that way, like you said, then we're open and we can magnify the Lord. But it's a continual process, huh? I mean, the prophets use the, the analogy of the potter and the clay, mm-hmm. right? We need to be supple. I mean, and, and yeah. hopefully we're naturally supple. We're naturally malleable. I mean, if not, God, the, the potter is going to work us until we become malleable. More like Gumby. That's exactly, well, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, what, <laughs> bend me, shape me any way you want me, Lord, right? right? I mean, but, but I want to become the vessel, the window that you want me to become. You know, Brenda and I were talking before the show, because we're always doing that, like, way longer <laughs> than we probably should. But anyway, we talked about how it's so important for us to, you know, if, if we say one thing every day to the Lord, thank you for everything. Right. Thank right. how hard that is to do. Oh, yeah. To be aware of that when something comes along that, like, I'm grousing about, which is about every three seconds. But right? to be able to go into that and just truly mean it and live it. I mean, that's exactly right. Transformation is that realization that we need to say that phrase every day. Yeah. Transfiguration 
is remembering, having committed our lives and getting our lives ready to do that, is remembering every day to say, you know, it's like you were saying, being in the, in the line at the airport, right? I've, I've gotten myself disposed to say, you know, God, you will make all things for good. And now that I'm actually in chaos, yes. right, let me be transfigured so everyone will see God's light pouring out of me when I say, you know, God, you will make this delay in the airport for your good. Well, before um, Randy gets into my bad behavior at the airport, we're going to stop and take a break. <laughs> we'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to The Family Show on Holy Family Radio. Stay tuned. with a family show with Brendan Randy Lee, and we're talking about um, windows or magnifying glass for Christ. That's right. We That's exactly what we've been talking about, <laughs> the, being a, a window or a magnifying glass for, for Christ's divinity. And, and I think a great misconception is that this is accomplished as a lifetime decision, right? From, from now on, I will commit my life to Jesus Christ. People will see Jesus through me. I will be Jesus for everyone I meet. And that's just silly, right? That it's, it's not realistic. The other day, Brenda and I were out at St. Margaret Mary's, and they have an electronic message board. And the message board came up, engage in random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. And we were both, that's kind of fun, right? We haven't seen that slogan in a while. You used to see it all the time. And then I started thinking, you know there are about a dozen or more variations of that, right? You got right. you got random acts of kindness, but then something beautiful for God and pay it forward. Um, if you go way back, it was before you act, ask what would Jesus do? Exactly, right. what would Jesus do? Dynamic Catholic has been running it lately as you know, create holy moments. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind all these slogans is that. We are not to make this one all-encompassing choice for God um, that will cover everything for all eternity. Rather, the idea is to give your life to God one choice, one decision at a time, mm-hmm. right? So so the idea is rather than, than mom- momentously changing your life and, and thereby transforming 10,000 decisions, we should work on changing 10,000 decisions one at a time. Yeah. And thereby, you transform your life, okay? So so Nick Saban, current coach of the University of Alabama football team, has this really interesting story about transforming himself as a football coach. And it goes to this exact point, right? So, so at the time Saban was coaching Michigan State, it was like 1998, and Michigan State was 4-5, and five, and they were getting ready to play Ohio State in... Columbus. Oh, forget about it. uh, On the road in Columbus, right? Ohio State was rated number one in the country. They're undefeated. It's absolutely impossible that Michigan State is going to win this game. Especially at their stadium. Exactly. exactly. As a Penn State fan, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, So at the beginning of practice that week, Saban essentially tells his team, 
win or lose, final score, this week doesn't matter, right? I don't even want to catch you guys looking up at the scoreboard because the scoreboard is going to be bad news, right? Right. What I want is for each of you to take each play one at a time and do your best to do your job, right? You screw up a play, you miss a block, you miss a tackle, forget it. I don't need you to win a game. I don't need you to win every play. But I do need you to focus every play to do your best to win every play, right? To glow one play at a time, to be transfigured one play at a time, right? Remember, these, you know, Michigan State, Big Ten, Division One. These are all very elite athletes, right? Their bodies have been transformed. But in the moment, they were not always transfigured, right? Saban was now preparing these guys to be transfigured. Okay, well, the process unfolds rather slowly. <laughs> Michigan State falls behind 17 to nothing early. Yikes. They're they're. Um, they get to the third quarter. Ohio State is up like 24 to 9, 15 points. Saban is like, who cares what the score is? Mm. I need you to win the next play, right? That's what we agreed to, right? The players stay focused on being transfigured each play one at a time. Michigan State ends up winning 28-24. They score the last 19 points. Ohio State... Um, goes on to finish like 12-1. and one. They're number two in the country. But Saban's like, I think we have something here. From now on, we keep our focus strictly on the play in front of us. You know, that's kind of counterintuitive because um, it, it's just human nature to be looking mm-hmm. ahead, mm-hmm. looking, you know, like, don't look at the score. But that's how we are. It's very difficult for us often to live in the present moment. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's it's like the kid in the back of the car. Yeah. Are we there yet? Are, are we, we there yet? yet? Are, are we, we there, there yet? That's 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 where our mind is, right? But we need to get our mind on make this one holy moment or a random act of kindness, right? Something beautiful for God. And also, every decision, it's really a collaboration with God. Lord, what do you want in this moment? Mm-hmm. You know, what is your divine will? Yes. And 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 having the 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 discipline, right? So that when when that moment is over, you focus on the next one. Mm-hmm. Right? And and Sabin, I mean, it, it at least athletically it works, right? Sabin has gone on to win seven national championships. John Wooden, most successful basketball coach of all time, had exactly the same approach. It's not about winning seasons. It's not about winning games. It's about winning one moment at a time. Because you know what? When we focus on either the past or the future, that's when worry comes in. That's when anxiety comes in. Because we have no control over what already happened or what may happen tomorrow. Well, that's that's exactly right. By the way, I should put I should put this play this plug in right. My dad is an Ohio State alum, right? So Uh-oh. I bless you. So I so I don't normally talk about Ohio State defeats, particularly not on the radio and, and three days after his birthday, <laughs> right? But it's it's a pretty important point. And and Eleanor, to, to follow up on exactly what you just said, if you think about it, the Good Samaritan 
he wasn't focused on the future. Yeah, where he was going. Right. That's right. He wasn't focused on the final score. He wasn't focused on his fine, on his future business decisions, right? Future business transactions, right? He's in that present moment, mm-hmm. one decision. Prodigal son was not, as you talked about the past, prodigal son wasn't wallowing in all his past sins, right? Transfiguration, right? He was focused on what do I do now? I wonder if that explains why many of us have difficulty driving because we're on our way to get somewhere and we get so irritated mm-hmm. by anything mm. that interrupts that, right. I got to be somewhere, I'm going somewhere. How often can we live in the present moment we drive? Just throwing that out there. No, I think that's, that's really important. I mean, that's another example. You, when you drive, you have to be focused on the present moment, you know, and it's hard. It it is right. If if I'm if I if I let my mind wander mm-hmm. for even a, a a couple minutes or a second, who knows what's going to happen with the car in front of me? Yeah, and and oftentimes, you know, you you can interpret that as oh, what an idiot, you know, that did that in front of my. <laughs> it's like, do we even understand that? Maybe by slowing the traffic down right there. We were saved from something that could have happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I'm not trying to be magical thinking, right. but we often ascribe something nefarious to a situation when we often should say, and I try to say this, thank you, God, for everything. Well, that, well that's and, it. Yeah. And that takes us back exactly to what, to what Brenda said. We need to think of these moments as collaborative with God, right? How do I magnify the Lord? It's getting back to that being a magnifying glass, being a window so that people can look through us in this moment and see God, right? You know, and that's, um, you know, if you start your day with like, Lord, I offer you this mm-hmm. day, you know, that simple, all yes. I do, think and yeah. say, you give it offering. to him. And what do you want me to know today? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? Well, we don't just say that and then go out and do our own thing. Well, we do, but <laughs> yeah, that's the thing to really mesh that together. And yeah. that's, uh, you know, how can I serve you today? Right. And mean it and, and do it. it, you know, and, and to get to that point where that's what we're saying, right? We, we need to be transformed. Right. And going back to that dynamic of transformation, there, there's few things in the in our lives that are more transforming than confession. And, and Father Brandon back in, in Tybee Island told this incredible story that really made confession pop for me, right? Hmm. I know I need to go to confession. I go, I feel better, but there's not always the urgency there that I would hope there would be. So, so true story, dad gives high school daughter a car to drive around town, right? Drive around town in it. One rule you can't take the car out of town mm-hmm. without my permission. <clears throat> Daughter's boyfriend comes home from college to visit on a Friday. Saturday night at 11 o'clock, he decides he needs to get back to campus, right? Hour and a half away. Wants daughter to drive him there, right? She goes along with this, doesn't ask her dad. Everything's fine on the way down. She drops her boyfriend off. On the way back, she hits a deer, mm. right? Swerves into a ditch, car's not drivable, calls the police, calls her dad. When her dad arrives, she runs to her dad in tears, right, asking for forgiveness, right? 
And and she says, you are the best father, right? And this is why mm-hmm. this is why she's crying. You are the best father. It's not the accident. You are the best father. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to die mm-hmm. in an act of disobedience and not be able to tell you I was sorry, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And and I think I need we need to remember that same urgency in confession, right? Why do we have confession? Because we have the best dad in the world, and we are afraid of dying in an act of disobedience without being able to say to him that we're sorry. Oh, that's perfect. And it's isn't that the truth? I mean, what could be worse? Exactly. In a state of not saying, I'm sorry, you are the best dad. That's what that's and that's what's so funny about it is we think we're doing it out of this act of obligation, right? right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the appeasement or something. And and here it is. We've got this father that we love incredibly. We have disobeyed him and we will never have the opportunity again if we don't seize it now to just say, I am so sorry. This This one moment, this one choice does not reflect what our relationship is about. And he's there to forgive us every single time, mm-hmm. every time. Well, guess what? We're out of time, speaking of time. But we invite you to join us every Friday at 1230 on AM 720 for The Family Show. And keep us in your prayers. For Brendan Randy Lee, I'm Eleanor Rossman, and we leave you with the beautiful sound of Seasons. Seasons.